Father God, we thank you for this hour. We give you glory, honor, and adoration. Father God, by the power of your spirit, you will enlighten the minds of every one of your children that we may gain understanding of that which you have for us even this morning. That your name alone may be exalted and be glorified. Father God, let your servant decrease and let Jesus Christ alone increase. Thank you very much, O oh God. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, O oh Lord, we are prayed. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk today about touched by grace. Touched by grace. We are going to be, the Touched by Grace is the title for the, for our convention in Nigeria. And uh, we are going to be using uh, Touched by Grace even as we speak to the audience in the celebration of our convention. And I thought it is uh, going to be something wonderful and great for us to share in that, in that touch by grace. Because I intend to go to, the, to Nigeria this year because of all what my doctor have said, I will not be able to go this year. So by the grace of God next year, I will be able to go. And God's name will be exalted and be glorified. Touched by grace. We are talking about grace. Some of us, we just, uh, we, we use grace almost every time in our lives. But we do not have a kind of a clear understanding of this word grace. Grace is divided into many parts. First of all, we have what we call common grace common grace is grace that is bestowed to mankind in general. And this common grace it is not redemptive. As a matter of fact, it is, it is given to us is God's provisional care. Provisional care regardless of whether or not human beings is able to acknowledge him. That is common grace. So we have common grace in all over the world. Sometimes we wonder in our minds, why should a righteous, a righteous man die and then a wicked somebody continue to live long? That is the grace of God. And I've told you some times ago from the scripture that uh, sometimes the righteous allow the, uh, I mean, God allow righteous, you know, to die. For one reason, not to be condemned with the world. And he gives grace to the wicked, you know, with the peradventure, he will come to his saving grace. Everybody in the world, God has given us through his providential care, has given to each and every one of us in the human race common grace. The Bible says in Matthew 5 45, he said, God is grace. 
causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. That is providential care of God upon the entire human race. Common grace. That is the best told. Just caring. Another grace that we need to we need to understand is what is called in the theological debate as cheap grace. Cheap grace. Now, Martin Luther of Church History and Bonhoeffer was were the two people that coined out these words in theological studies. Cheap grace. And many people operate under the umbrella of this cheap grace. And they thought they are saved. Cheap grace. Now, listen to the, you know, to what Bonhoeffer gave to us in his book, you know, The Cost of Discipleship. The Cost of Discipleship. He said, Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the grace... Grace without the cross. Grace without the Lord Jesus Christ. That is cheap grace. You know, somebody have said salvation is free. But salvation is not cheap. Because salvation is very costly. It has to cost Jesus Christ his death, his barrier on the cross of Calvary. So salvation is not cheap, even though it is free. So cheap grace is not redemptive. Common grace is not redemptive. Cheap grace is not redemptive. If you, if you look at uh, the reading of today in the book of Titus, we are going to see the clear definition of the third aspect of grace, which is called the saving grace or the, 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 the special grace from common grace to special grace or saving, saving faith. Saving faith. We have to understand that because you need to begin to examine yourself whether you are on the, on the, on the you know, on the aspect or, uh, you know, of, uh, you know, the cheap grace or the common grace. Or you have come under saving grace or special grace. You know, special grace, sometimes they use it together to discuss saving grace in theological discourse. Titus 2, 11, 14. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Grace has appeared. Glory be to God. Grace has appeared. Has appeared to you, has appeared to me, has appeared to all of us. It has appeared. Grace that ushered him salvation. 
It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. That is the grace that comes to us that has appeared to offer to us salvation. Salvation. And it has, you know, we have this grace teaches us, empowers us to say no to everything that is ungodly. It teaches us to say to ungodliness and worldly passions. Worldly passions. And while we wait for the blessed hope, we are, all, we are all waiting for the appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The appearing of the glory of great and the appearing of uh, the, glo the, the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself, listen to this, a people that are his very own. His very own. That is, you know, that is under the, the doctrine of uh, the sovereign rule, the sovereign grace under the grace or under saving grace, the sovereign rule of God, the sovereign power of God. To purify for himself a people that are his very own. Jesus Christ said, all those the Lord has given to me. Listen to this. That is why it is not part of the doctrine of the church to think that somebody can lose his salvation. Somebody who is truly belong to Christ. You cannot lose your salvation because the Lord Jesus Christ has given to us that of the one that the Lord has given to me, I am able to keep to the end of the age. That's the word of God. And you see it here to purify for himself a people that are his own, that belongs to him. He said, my sheep hears my voice and they come to me. Eager to do what is good. Because those who belong to Christ, those who are his are always eager to do that which is glorious, that which is good. Very important. A very important distinction from the people of the world. Saving, saving, saving um, you know, faith is very different. You know, the efficacious phrase, Grace refers to the, you know, to the special application of grace to a person who comes by faith in Jesus Christ. That is efficacious, the efficacious grace. Because the grace that we have is efficacious. Something that is, uh, you know, that is perfect. That is given to us by faith. When we come to faith in, you know, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, that faith is efficacious. And uh, when we look at it, you know, we know that uh, we, we, some of us already know the meaning of this grace that uh, Titus this, uh, you know, uh, that we seal in Titus. 
you know, that is given to us here. Grace is the unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor. And in that place, grace is the good pleasure of God. Back off, you know, explain it this way. The unmerited operation of God in the heart of man affected through the agency of the Holy Spirit. You see, at the heart of uh, the term grace is the ideal of divine favor. The Hebrew word for grace is chen. Used, for example, in Genesis 6-8. You see, and the word of God says, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Chen. Favor. He found grace. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Closely related to this, uh, you know, uh, is the verb. Chenan, meaning to show favor, to show favor. You know, in the New Testament, grace is rendering, is rendering the, the, the word courage that we have heard about several times, meaning gracefully, graciously, favor, gratitude, intrinsic to its meaning are the ideas of favor, goodness, and goodwill. It's, it's what is um, pertaining to the seven faith. You know, clearly, the, the word is defined, you know, it said, thus we could properly define grace as a free and benevolent influence of Holy Ghost, of Holy God, operating sovereignly in the lives of undeserving sinners. We do not deserve it. That is why it is called unmerited favor that is being bestowed upon us. Bestowed upon us. This kind of grace is a powerful force in the life of a believer. Touched by grace. Touched by grace. Number one, grace comes from the God, the Father. Grace comes from the God, the Father. If you go to 1 Peter 5.10, you will find this there. You know, 1 Peter 5.10. And the God of all grace, God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That is the word of God. Oh, my Lord. I believe you are, you are getting it. Is grace comes from the God, the Father. Secondly, grace comes from Christ Jesus. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. The word, the logos became flesh. And made his way, and made his his dwelling among us. That is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Grace comes from Christ Jesus. Number three, it says to us, the spirit of grace 
comes from the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of grace. That is why so many times we are called upon not because cheap grace, common grace, all those kind of grace or graces, if I may use that, they are not redemptive. That is why we are warned as a child of God that it belongs to that, that belongs to Christ, that belongs to God, that we need to understand that we cannot insult the spirit of grace. We cannot insult the spirit of grace. Insulting the spirit of grace is to do something that is evil and think that, uh, oh, I have grace. Some people usually believe that, yes, you know, I mean, you know, I told you about uh, a pastor who, who, is take, who is saying that, uh, you know, he would, you know, he would take, uh, this young lady would take him, take her to another level of grace. That level of grace. That is not saving faith. That is not saving grace. That is not efficacious grace. The spirit of grace comes from the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Zechariah 12, 10. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as, as one mourns for an, an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a, for a first son. That is the spirit of grace that has been poured down on, on us. Every one of us that has been able to, you know, to come to the saving knowledge, to come to saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the, the no lordship theology that is now prevalent today in our world. They begin to say, you, you know, they have, they have their own understanding of the word grace. They said that you can be born again without accepting the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I, I I cannot understand how somebody can be saved by not accepting the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. The non-lordship theology is a very vain and reckless and dubious theology. Because to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior is to say that Jesus Christ has become the owner. Saving faith. Saving faith has become the owner of your life. We study today about the will of God. That you must surrender your will to the will of God. Every child, every saving, every saving person, somebody who has been saved must surrender his will. His will, her will to the, you know, to the will of God. You don't, it is no longer my will. It is your will alone that must be done. Jesus Christ taught us how to pray. That will be done in heaven. 
I mean, you know, on earth as it is being done in heaven. The will of God must be done. That is what Jesus Christ taught us. Always, you must understand that. When one is saved, it is no longer my will. You know, some, sometimes we, 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 we arrogate to ourselves. Somebody, you know, fail to forgive. Because of what somebody has done to him in his family. You know, he, t- he, he felt in his mind, you know, that he will run away from it. He has been running away from it, but the bitterness filled his heart. Not until when he came to the understanding of the will of God, that as a child of God, saving by grace, you cannot, because the will of God for you, no matter what, you must forgive. That's the will of God. Until you come to the understanding of surrendering your will to the will of God, let me tell you, 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 you need to examine yourself whether you, are, whether you are saved. And that one is, uh, the grace is the loving mercy of God in action. Oh my God. And we know this. is the loving mercy. That's the grace of God. The grace of God in action. And we see that in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. You know, people, even though he has given to the world his common grace. His common grace. Because of his providential care. Because he made each and every one of us both the wicked and the righteous in the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever, it doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what you have done. No matter what your sins are, there's nothing on the face of this earth that the grace of God, the saving grace of God cannot cover. No matter what you have done, the grace of God, the sovereign grace of God will save you. Hallelujah. And that one is, we are justified by his grace. You see, we are justified by his grace. I, I am so happy because I am justified not because of what I have done. That is why it is unmerited. None of us merit it. Titus 3.7 says, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become his, having the hope of eternal life. We are justified. Oh, hallelujah. We just have to rejoice. Just have to rejoice and be happy. You know, I don't, at this, at this stage of my life, I don't let anything bother me anymore. I don't hold anything. I don't hold anything in this world.
You need to come to that point in your life. Even those who have uh, done everything to make me mad, to do all kinds of things, backstabbing, saying all kinds of reckless and dubious things. You know what? I pray for them. I have no, I have a, I, I'm, I'm, really, I'm, I'm really sorry for them because they are lost. I have no time for all those jargons and all those things for me to waste my time and all those things. Romans 3, 4 to 24 says, and all are justified freely by his grace <laughs> through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We are all justified freely. And that one is that we are saved by grace. And that is the cruise of the whole thing that binds each one of all these things that I've mentioned even unto you together. Efficacious grace, saving grace. Ephesians 2, 4, 5, it says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Made us alive with Christ. When we were dead in transgressions or when we are dead in our trespasses, it is by grace you have been saved. Not by works. Not by works, but by grace. Lest any man should boast. When we are dead in our trespasses. You see, that is what we call, you know, The, 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 the totality uh, of my, the, 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 I mean, we, we are dead in all ways. But God, when God begin to touch you by his grace, when God reached down to us, because everyone in this world Everyone in this world is dead. Is dead. People may be walking around the place. They may be jumping around, but they are dead. Whoever is in Christ, the Bible said it's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And he said that um, whoever believes in Jesus Christ has passed on from death unto life. You understand that? They are dead. And we are all dead before we became alive. And when God reached down to touch you by his grace, by his mercy, he breathed life into you. And you, you became alive. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He breathed life unto you. And you became alive. That is the that is most powerful stuff. And I told you some times ago that a pastor was, you know, was I mean, want to teach his son the beauty of the power of grace. He went to the mortuary. He prepared. He told them the the, the man there. 
to prepare a body and prepare the body and he carries a bag of coins. Coins. You know coins? Oh, they are very heavy. And uh, to the place, and he placed this coin on this dead person. And the son, as young as he is, he thought the man was alive. Because the, 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 he said he's only sleeping. He said, Dad, this man is only sleeping. And his father told him, don't worry. I will tell you now whether he's sleeping or not. And he placed this uh, big money that he brought on top of the dead person. And the, and the son was unhappy. He said, that, that, is, that, is, I mean, that is unfair. Why did you do this? He said, did you see him moving? He said, no. He said, maybe he doesn't, he's, you know, he slept too much. I slept, he, he did not even sleep too much. This person that we are looking at is already dead. There's no life in this body. That is how we are. We are dead. We are dead in our sins. Dead in our sins. Until God reach out with his mighty power, love, mercy, and touch you. And raise you up, then you become alive. By the power of the grace. Finally, grace is the basis of Christian growth. You see, it's the basis. Because if, 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 if this grace has not planted in you by the power of his spirit living inside of you, to continue to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions. You will not be able to grow. To be what God has designed you to be. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, I mean, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. That is growth. You become born again, and God continues to sanctify you. That is what we call sanctification. To make you more and more and more holy to the glory of God. Thomas Akempis, in his book, the, the Imitation of Christ, said, This grace is the mistress of truth, the teacher of discipline, the light of the heart, the consoler. In anguish, the banish, I mean, the, the banisher of sorrow, the expeller of fear, the nourisher of devotion. Without grace, he said, I am but a withered branch, a useless piece of wood, fit only to be cast away. Without grace. Thomas Akempis is one of the devotional writers of the 18th century. And you see, these are very powerful something. And he quoted the passage from the word of God that, that actually shows to us basically, conclusively, the power 
of grace. That is John 15, 1, 6. He said, I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that bears that bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, Jesus Christ says. Remain in me. I also, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And listen to this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Any, every one of us that has been born again, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Every child of God through efficacious grace, saving grace, is attached, you know, to the vine. The vine is the Lord Jesus Christ. We are joined here with Christ. Today, you became born again. You become joined here with Christ. And if you do not stick with that, walk with him, you see, it's going to be something else. Billy Graham was quoted as saying, Christ did not suffer and died to offer cheap grace. He did not do that. He did not suffer to offer cheap grace. Jesus did not willingly go to the cross so we could have an easy life or offer a faith built on easy believism. You know, in this day and age, there are all, all those kinds of teachings that are out there that is teaching easy believism. I'm telling you all kinds of stuff that is not grounded in the word of God. As someone said, salvation is free, but it's not, it's not cheap. It cost Jesus Christ his life on the cross of Calvary. No matter what the situation is, my, my sister, my brother, Jesus Christ is going to be there to lift you up. Jesus Christ is going to be there to elevate you. In your sorrow, the grace of God is there to comfort you. In your place of job, the grace of God is there. Oh my God, to lift you up. Wherever you are going, the grace of God will be there to respond to you, to lift you up, to empower you over all powers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. God in his grace will lift you up and you will become an overcomer. I, I challenge you today. If you are here 
and you have not given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, come right now and give your life to the Lord Jesus. Come and give your life to the Lord Jesus. Or maybe you have, you have given your life to, I mean, we, you know, to the Lord Jesus Christ, but the, you know, you, the, 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 the way of walking and, and all the rest is lacking. Today, you can rededicate your life to the Lord. As we sing together, you know, this song, I pray the Lord Almighty will bless you. Shall we all rise?